My, my juices flow all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know as much as I know. Right now, we've been able to stuff to stuff. The curse is broken. NC State fans, finally. <laughs> finally. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a triple play. Wolfpack ain't for soft. It ain't for soft people. Good things happened for NC State against a team from the state of Virginia last week with a 45-7 win over VMI. Can the Wolfpack make it two weeks in a row with good things against teams from the state of Virginia? Hi there. I'm Joe Giglio, host of Law of the Wolf. Appreciate everyone for joining me. We do have a short week this week. I have a conversation with Mike Archer, a former coach for both Virginia and NC State. Always great to catch up with Mike. He's retired here locally. From time to time, I'm able to check in with him about a, a variety of topics, including Miami, Russell Wilson, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you name it. So looking forward to that conversation. That'll be coming up a little bit on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. And if you need a car, you need a truck, you're just ready for some, a new ride, go check them out. Heaster Automotive Group. Get off your Keister. Get down to Heaster. So... NC State takes care of business against VMI. It was exactly what you wanted to see in what is a, amounts to a glorified scrimmage when you're playing a lower-level team. You don't need scares. You don't need tests. You don't need injuries. What you need is for the offense to come out and look the way that it did, scoring on its first three drives. You want the defense to make plays, which it did, getting a pick six. You want the special teams chipping in. Shouts to Julian Gray with a big return. So the, the, the plays were there for NC State. Now, was it because of the level of competition they were playing? Or is that something that can be translated as ACC play begins this week? So it's a Friday night game. The first of two Friday games in a row for the Wolfpack. They go to Virginia on Friday, 7.30 game. This is one of those openers that you look at and you go, don't screw it up because Virginia is the worst team in the ACC. The Cavaliers, unfortunately for them, are off to an 0-3 start. I don't know how many times Tony Elliott and his crew are going to win this season now. I want to talk a little bit about Virginia and their 0-3 start and, and Tony Elliott and kind of the situation that they're in because it is slightly unique. This isn't just some program that fell on hard times and is now, you know, just sitting here struggling, doesn't have talent, doesn't maybe doesn't have the right coach. It's hard to judge what Virginia is. Because Bronco Mendenhall was there for six years, seemingly had the program on track. They even won the Coastal Division, remember, because everybody wins the Coastal at least once, or at least they did. And then he retired. And it was like, I think it caught everyone there flat-footed. They end up going through a hiring process where they hire Tony Elliott from Clemson. Elliott was a longtime assistant there with Dabo Sweeney on offense. It was offense coordinator, one of the offense coordinators that he had had. Tremendous success at Clemson and you think, all right, well, they went with within the league. They, they went and hired one of the top assistants from the, from the top program in the league. What could go wrong? Unfortunately for them on the field, they had three and seven year last year. And then off the field, they had three players that were murdered by a former, former person who used to be in their program. So it's, it's just an unbelievable tumultuous end to the 2022 season for Virginia. The start has been rough this year with the the loss at Tennessee, 
which obviously wasn't entirely unexpected. 49-13. That game actually could have been a whole lot worse. Uh, the Volunteers were struggling in the first quarter of that game. They come home. They have the emotional game back at home for the first time since three of their players were murdered the previous year. They they had an unbelievable effort against James Madison, but they end up losing by a point at home. Then they go to Maryland last week and end up losing to the Terps 42-14 after taking a 14 to nothing lead. So it's been a rough start for Virginia, uh, making matters worse for them. They're now looking at their former quarterback, Brendan Armstrong. He's playing at NC State. Their former offensive coordinator, Robert Tanai. Their former offensive line coach, Garrett Tujay, is at NC State. So there's a lot of familiarity there for NC State side with Virginia. Then, of course, you think about on Virginia side, Des Kitchings, who had worked for Tom O'Brien, then worked for Dave Doran, then had a stint at South Carolina and in the NFL, and is now back in college, back in the ACC, with Tony Elliott as their offensive coordinator. NC State fans obviously remember the 2019 season when Kitchings was one of two offensive coordinators, but he was the one calling the plays. Difficult four and eight season. NC State's offense bottomed out that year, but still you have a familiarity with coaches on both sides of this game. Now, familiarity is kind of an, a wrong word to use with NC State and Virginia because they played every year from 1960 to 2003 because, you know, no duh, they're in the same conference. You would have thought one of them left the ACC because since 2004 now, they've only played this. They've only played seven times. This will be only the eighth time in the last 19 years that these two teams will play. Dave Doran does have a 2-0 record against Virginia with wins in 18-20 and 20 over the Cavaliers. Brendan Armstrong started for Virginia in the pandemic year, uh, ended up getting hurt in that game. Tanner Ingle hit him uh Hit him in the head on a play towards the towards the sideline, ended up knocking him out of that game. NC State goes on to win in the pandemic year in 2020. So lots of familiarity. I'm not going to go over the good, the bad, and the uh-oh from VMI because quite frankly, it was mostly all good for NC State. And I don't try to extrapolate too much from a game like that, which I, in my opinion, and I've expressed this on the OG podcast. I've expressed this before many, many, many times before on all of my different platforms. I think when what I still call 1A teams, the you know, NC State, ACC, SEC, the the quote unquote FBS, the bowl subdivision, I think when they play one double A teams or football championship subdivision, I think that should be a preseason game. I think it should be played in August. And I think it would be an easy way for, and it doesn't count, obviously, it's preseason be an easy way to get everybody some real reps. And you know what happens in August. People are so starved for football. They watch week zero football. Well, why wouldn't they watch preseason football? Um, I have a feeling that the way scheduling is going to go more and more, you'll see with these power five schools, they're only going to schedule other power five schools. You just wait. The SEC is struggling against these other conferences this year. They're not going to play anybody else. I I'm going to be fascinated to see how that works out because you know they'll rework their television deal to get more money. And that's one way to do it is to only play each other. That's that's a little bit down the road. So I'm not going to go through everything from the VMI game other than to say NC State did what it needed to do. Those are all good things. NC State's played two games against 1A opponents. I've been right against the number in both of those games. They didn't cover against UConn, and I thought they would not cover against Notre Dame. That game got away from them. So let's see if I can make it three for three. 
NC State is a nine and a half point favorite in this game. Normally, I would say to you on the road in the league, how much do we really trust NC State to win by more than a touchdown? I think this is a time to trust NC State. I think NC State's going to get score enough points. I think their defense will be up to the task. Give me NC State with a 31-17 win over Virginia Friday night at Scott Stadium. Can't wait to check that one out. Can't wait to see if I can go 3-0 and against the number. Also, I can't wait to talk to my friend Mike Archer. Have that conversation coming up right here on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline right after I have to pay a few bills. You know how this works in the podcast business. First of all, all of our conversations this college football season are brought to you by Wings Over. All you have to do is go to wingsover.com, punch in your zip code, find the location you're looking for. Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Greenville. My man, Ryan Malley's got you covered right here in Raleigh, right there across from University Towers. Order that food, go pick it up. He's got free parking, all right, right there in Hillsborough Street. You know how hard it is to park on Hillsborough Street. He's got free parking, so you don't have to worry about that. So again, go to wingsover.com, punch in that order, order it. I always get the sweet chili wings. I could be talked into a little bit of variety. I actually did try the lemon, uh, lemon, the hot lemon pepper at OGP tonight. So uh, all of the varieties are good, but to me, sweet chili is the fastball. Check them out at wingsover.com and appreciate Ryan sponsoring all of our college football coverage this year on the OG Media Company. Joining me now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, one of my favorites, Mike Archer, longtime college football coach, NFL coach, you name it, did it all. Arch, appreciate appreciate you taking some time coming downtown for me. It's been it's been a minute since you've been downtown. Yeah, it's been a few years since. I, you know, I still live here. I don't come downtown quite as much. All right, so we have a perfect marriage this week of a Friday night football game between two of the schools that you coached at, NC State and Virginia. Which which school would you like for me to attempt to fix first, uh, the the Cavaliers or the Wolfpack? Well, I think the Cavaliers probably need a little bit more work than uh, than what the Wolfpack does. I, I think. What's happened at Virginia, and I've, I've followed it. I've been up there. Uh, I know people on that staff uh, and at the university. What they went through was tough. I mean, to have three teammates murdered um, and to have your last, I guess it was two or three games canceled, yeah. to go through that, um, it, it's tough mentally. And now as the season has started, you know, they, you know, they open up with Tennessee and they get blown out and then they get beat at home by JMU. Uh, last week, I watched some of the game last week, and they were up fourteen to nothing. And all of a sudden, I turned the TV on, and they were down forty-two to fourteen. So, there's there's some issues there. Um, but as coaches, you know, it, we don't live in a perfect world, and they they have good coaches there. Tony knows what he's doing. He's got good guys on that staff, and you know, hopefully, they'll turn it around over time. So, going back a half of a step, they had Bronco Mendenhall, you know, the guy they go out and they hired correct from BYU to build the program. He replaced Mike London, who you worked for Correct. For, for two years Correct. at Virginia. And it felt like they were in a stable, good position under Bronco. Agreed. I kind of felt like out of nowhere, he decided he had enough and retired. Yeah. How difficult is it for a program like Virginia where you almost have to have that perfect mousetrap that the other guy you worked for there, George Welsh, 
had as well. Correct. Um, you know, when when Bronco first went in there, they struggled, I think, the first year, maybe part of the second Two year. Ten. Yeah. yeah. They 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 struggled early. And then they got it going. Uh, they did a great job of recruiting, and I thought they did a great job coaching also. Um, in, in particular on offense and you know, uh, Robert and I, who is now, you know, here That's at it. NC yeah. State, um, I, you know, I coached against him when, when I was at Virginia, he was at BYU with Bronco. We played him twice. And, uh, the, the young man that played last night for the Saints Hill, the quarterback, Hill, after, yeah. yeah, he was the quarterback <laughs> and we beat him. In, we beat you got him, him in, right? Yeah. We beat him in Charlottesville. And then the next year we went out there and played him in a heck of a football game and, and they beat us, but they were very well coached offensively. Uh, and defensively, and and I know Bronco is very much a fundamentalist. So, you know, he got it turned around. He had him going really well, and boom, out of the clear blue, he decides he's going to step down. You know, I I know a lot of people that I asked a lot of questions. I was very surprised. I don't know if I've ever gotten the whole truth and nothing but the truth as to why he did leave. So um, they made the decision, and, and, you know, they brought Tony in, and, you know, last year was a tough year with a lot of uh, – Strange circumstances. You know the ACC, you know, you, Miami in your background, before they got to the ACC, Virginia, NC State. What are some of the unique challenges with Virginia in football? Because it does seem like they're excellent at everything, right? except it does feel like football's been kind of the one, right. un, other than some of those years under George, and, and, and Bronco had some success too, but. You know, it's a uh, number one. I, I think it's a really good state for high school football. The, it is the, the coat. You know, the coast area. You know, the Tidewater area, as we used to call it. Yeah. Uh, I think has outstanding football. You've got uh, suburban D.C., Northern Virginia's got really outstanding football. Um, there, there's you've got resources to recruit there. Uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of people come into that state to take them. Penn State, I was going to say. <laughs> Penn State's made a living out of the, yeah. some of the best players, taking some of the best players. When Virginia Tech was really going good under Beamer, they they were loaded up with kids from the Tidewater area. And I Mac think, Brown. Yeah, yeah, and Mac has done very well in, yeah. in Virginia. So there's good football. There's really good high school football there. I think at Virginia, you know, it's a little tougher recruiting. You're, uh, the, the standard there, you know, you're going to get an Ivy League education. So they're not going to take uh, just anybody academically. We, When I was there both times with George and Mike, we had, uh, we had to submit all of our potential student athletes to our academic screening committee. If they didn't have certain requirements, they were not getting into Virginia. It didn't make any difference how good they were. Um, we had a few exceptions, uh, but you didn't get many. And so you had to be, you had to pick and choose uh, to get the, the ones that were borderline risks academically because the, they, they want to make sure that these kids graduate. And it's a, it's a great academic school. It's a great town to live in. My wife and I loved living there the two times that we've been there. Um, and it's, uh, you know, they've got, they're building a brand new football center now. I think they've decided to make the commitment facility wise. When I was there the last time, I didn't sense that. Sure. I went there. Um, but when I left, when so I you left, were there at 14 and 15, yeah, and I time. left, I was there in 91 and 92 mm -hmm. and they were, we moved, we were moving into the McHugh center. And, uh, when I went back in 2014, the McHugh center was outdated. Uh, it was so outdated that when I got back there in 2014, I moved into the same office I had when I left in 92 and it was the same desk. 
So they didn't exactly upgrade their facility. Do you see Virginia being a willing participant in the world of name, image, and likeness? Uh, I do to a certain degree. Not that's my concern. For not them. not to the not to the extent of the Alabamas, the Texas A and M's, the Miamis. Sure. No. No. That leads me to a tangent. You actually went and saw Texas A&M in person, mm -hmm. completely detached from the situation. You saw them play against Miami. You had an interesting observation about perhaps what <laughs> what might be some of the issues for the Aggies. Well, you know, it's the best team money can buy, you know, and they have the resources. They've got the collective. Uh, you know, I've been on the A&M campus, and the facilities are second to nobody in this country. Sure. Uh, I think they have three indoor buildings. You know, we have some schools that don't have any. And so um, being down on the field before the game and at halftime before they honored our 83 championship team, you saw them physically. They're a great-looking football team. Um, and yet. Yet, and yet, <laughs> you know, and, and the way the game started, Joe, you know, Miami was down, I think, 10 to nothing or 14 to nothing because of uh, a, uh, a fumbled punt, uh, some big plays in the special teams. Yet Miami, the old Miami might have given in and gotten beat, no, they've battled back, and they scored right at the end of the half. And watching AM, and we were in the tunnel when they came off at halftime. They were up the whole half. Miami took the last drive, went, I think, 72 yards in three plays and one timeout to go up. I think it was 21 to 17. Watching AM come off the field, we were standing there, and it was unanimous. Everybody said, Miami's going to kill them in the second half because these guys are fighting among themselves. And they did. And it was it was apparent. Body language-wise, it was not good. It was not good. And part of that is you, when you start playing for money, and not maybe necessarily as a group or... Oh, or, I agree. Totally agree. You know, we were When talking, you're motivated by different things. And, you know, an interesting point was made to me standing down there that somebody said that, you know, most of the A&M players are making more money than everybody but Jimbo and the two coordinators. And right. that's true. That's true. You know, and, and I, I talk to a lot of college coaches now that are friends of mine that are still in it. And, you know, it's this NIL, you know, you have quarterbacks driving around in Mercedes. I mean, sure. They're, they're, I mean, it, I'm not against it. Trust me. I, when I was at Miami, you know, 50 years ago, we would get that $15 a month laundry money. You know, it it's only cost it. It was a great <laughs> deal because it only cost a quarter to wash and dry. Right. That was beer money, man. Right. I mean, that was beer money. So I'm not against them making money, but we've gone from nothing to the opposite extreme where we're basically college football has now become basically a, a you know, a minor league for the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, it always them. has been now. Yes, There's just a different way around it. But now we're paying. I want to take a quick break, come back, ask you a little bit about um, NC State and obviously where they kind of go from here. I, I saw some some mistakes that I think are correctable to my uh, amateur eye, but I am curious for someone who, who is an actual coach and would have to fix such things. Some of your thoughts on where NC State goes from here. But first, we got to pay a few bills. We'll be right back. I'm going to try something new with the ads this week. You can see them fooling around on the YouTube page. And if you're watching on YouTube, of course, Hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, see if you if you agree with my prediction of 3117 or if you don't. But here's where I know you will agree. You need help when you're buying your house or selling your house. All you have to do, you see it right there. Clayton Hometown Realty. HTR Hometown Realty, myhtr.com. Barry Woodard and his crew. They have more than 250 agents, six locations, Lich Relief. 
go to the website. You'll see the toggle right there in the middle. Buy, sell. We also have a handy-dandy mortgage calculator right there. It can't get any easier than helping yourself and protecting your number one investment, which is your home. So go to myhtr.com and tell them the OG sent you. And of course, once you buy a house, you got the clothes on it and you're going to need help closing on that. That's where our friends, Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, Whitaker and Hamer, as you can see on the screen right there, the world's greatest URL, wh.lawyer. You can also give them a shout, 919-772-7000. Josh and Joe have you covered in all real estate needs, family law needs, maybe you're selling a business, all of those things, they can handle it. I know there are more lawyers out there that are state grads, but Josh is a big state fan. That's my guy. Appreciate him for supporting us here on Law of the Wolf. All right. So here on the Law of the Wolf, we can help you buy or sell an house. We can help you close on that house. And then once you do that, guess what you need? You need a mortgage. Hit up Josh Goodson at RTP Mortgage. That's rtpmortgage.com. Or how's about, how's about this for some service? You can call Josh. This is his actual number. 252-361-1415. All right. 252-361-1415. Give him a shout. RTP Mortgage. Heck, heck, maybe you need to refinance. Josh can help you with that too. I know the market's tough right now. Those numbers are tough right now. All the more reason to give Josh a call or to check them out at rtpmortgage.com and figure out the best way for you to save money. Again, all of this in the interest in protecting your biggest investment. I feel now I'm required to tell you that Josh's NMLS number is 156-9995. Again, go check him out, Josh Goodson, rtpmortgage.com. We're back here on The Law of the Wolf. I'm Joe Giglio, joined this week by Mike Archer, former NC State assistant, former Virginia assistant. Who better to talk to than with the Wolfpack going to play at Virginia on Friday night? It's still Scott Stadium. They haven't sold no, any it's... names there. Okay, good. Scott Stadium, Friday night. You know, this was a, this, these were two schools that used to play every year before expansion. Correct. This is only the sixth time that they're playing since the ACC expanded. Uh, a little familiarity there. You, you were in this situation some at NC State for Tom O'Brien more right. so than for you. But when Tom went back and played Boston College that first year, you have now Brendan Armstrong, a quarterback right. for NC State, going back and playing in his old school. Right. And then Robert and I, you know, the offense quarter now at NC State playing Virginia. Uh, even Des Kitchings on the other side right. is a former NC State offensive coordinator. And the offensive line coach from NC State was at Virginia. 2 yes. yes. So you, you have a lot of familiarity in, in those situations. How mm -hmm. do you... How do you tend to see them them play out? Well, you know the the game the game will will play out the way it the way you expect because the players are the ones playing. Yeah, the coaches those are all those guys are all good coaches. I mean, I've coached against Robert uh, when he was at BYU. And I think you and I talked when he came here and you asked yeah. me, I, I think the guy's really an excellent football coach. He can attack. He knows how to attack people. He'll know their personnel because he was there with Bronco. Um, you know, and Des, Des was here at NC State uh, with us. And then, uh, you know, Des went in the NFL with the Falcons for a year. And then he went back to Virginia and he's running the offense. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, it, it's a good game on a Friday night. Uh, I think that the key... You know, 
NC State's defense, what I've seen of them on TV, um, I think they're outstanding. I know Tony does a great job. Uh, with, and they've got some guys up front that uh, physically are what you're looking for to be able to win in the ACC and the SEC. Uh, and I, I think offensively, you know, as Brennan goes, they're going to go. The guy is a – he's hard to tackle. Uh, I mean, he can throw it. He's got a great arm. But he also can move around in the pocket. And and it creates problems. You know, I watched some of the Notre Dame game while I was sitting in the box at Miami. And, you know, that's the thing that in the second half, I thought Notre Dame did a better job of keeping him in the pocket and not letting him scramble for first downs. There's a difference between a play being blocked well which I thought maybe we saw in the Notre Dame, mm-hmm. the 80-yard touchdown run by Roderick right. Estime. There's a difference between like a bust, where I thought by the end of the half there, where Aiden White, their cornerback, yeah. jumped a route and let a guy go in a situation in the final two minutes of the half where it's like, yeah. that seems like just a mistake. Right. When you look, and then you go back to the UConn game, they gave up a 71-yard touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying you, you've broken down all the film sure, here. No, but I've watched But when you, when you see plays like that, mm-hmm. as a coach, do you say, okay, we can fix that? Yeah. That's one of those things that we can fix. Or do you just kind of have to tip your hat in the, in the estimate run and say, well, you know, sometimes it happens. They pop one, they block it right, well, you get right. caught in the wrong spots. Right. Well, you know, it, not knowing what the particular coverage call was, um, you know, uh, young kids have, uh, creepy eyes as I okay. used to call them. They want to look where they're not supposed to look. And when they see a quarterback pump the ball and they think it's going to be thrown, but the route's not there, it's a, it's a double move, I think happens. And, it, and kids are kids, the young, in particular young kids, you know, I'm watching this, I'm watching the uh, Browns and the Steelers last night and, you know, the Steelers offensively, I mean, they had two first downs in the first quarter. They were awful. And you know, uh, you know my thoughts. It, on, I, I know that you and I've talked about that. <laughs> but you know, the, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Pickett uh, he hits he hits the 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 dig route and a tackle's missed and he takes it seventy one yards for the touchdown. I mean, that was as much the the coverage. I think somebody blew the coverage. There was no center field player. Uh, the missed tackle. And, and then it's a touchdown, and the game changes. So, you know, there's a lot of variables, uh, but in watching some aspects of that Notre Dame game, you know, uh, kids are kids, and sometimes they want to do things that they shouldn't be doing because of you get creepy eyes. I look at the way that NC State's played in their in, – in the VMI was it was fine. You know, yeah. they're, they're up 21 at the end of the first quarter. They right. They didn't fool around. That's fine. I look at states, you mentioned Armstrong and, and his ability to make some plays, and that's a good thing. I, th- I thought they used the portal wisely there. But I look at some of their skill players, and there's some flashes there. Mm-hmm. But w- what are some ways when you're looking at a team and going, because you, you, you know, I'm thinking of that first state team with Tom is like, ah, where are the, where are the skill players? How do, mm-hmm. Are there ways to scheme that up, or do you just have to wait for a guy to be ready? Well, you can to, scheme, to pop. you can you can scheme certain things up, but you can only, you know, a, a young man only has so much ability, and and it still comes down to fundamentals. And I, I think, you know, that's the one thing that I see watching a lot of college football on TV, watching it on video, the 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 fundamentals. I don't see the fundamentals being taught as much as they were before. It doesn't show up 
Let me put it that way. You see blown coverage. Well, people can't hit anymore. What that that's what, practice, I'm, that's what right? I'm getting I mean, at. You know, I, I'm watching I'm watching teams, I'm watching NFL teams yeah. on Sunday, and people are running the zone scheme, and the linebackers got to step up and take on the guard, and they come under blocks thinking they're gonna make it. They don't, and the back splits it and it's an 80-yard touchdown. It's the fundamental parts of football at all levels, not just pro football, college football, high school, because I've gone to high school games. People don't it still comes down to fundamentals, blocking, tackling, throwing, and catching. That hasn't changed. It will not change. I'll be dead and gone. You'll be dead and gone. It's still going to continue. And that's where I see it falling off because no one practices the physicality of football. They're, they don't because they don't want to have people can't. injured. And yeah. you can't. The rules dictate it now. And, you know, when, when I was with the Steelers, we used to go to training camp for six weeks. <laughs> and we used to practice, you know, double sessions every single day. So that was with Cower. That was with Bill. You yeah. know, and now now they go to camp for maybe two weeks, and they cannot practice twice a day. You can have walkthrough and then practice. So it, it, the, the fundamentals of football at all levels, what I see, in my opinion, are what's causing some of the explosive plays that – you know, the teams that win the games are the ones that have explosive plays. And the teams that win on defense don't allow explosive plays. You know, watching the Panthers last night, you know, I, I think Bryce Young's going to be an outstanding quarterback. But they don't, they right now, they're not getting explosive plays. And that's what, that's how you win games. Cowers now got a spot in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. He had, he pulled off one of the great second acts of all time because. A lot of times in, in, in your profession, you know, you don't get a second chance. Right. The Steelers with their patience did, and he was able to finally get the Super Bowl win that, you know, they obviously had earned. Right. What stood out to you about your time with Coach Cower and, and what do you think made him a Hall of Famer? Well, number one, he was a fundamentalist now. I mean, working for Bill, you know, I remember when I when I went up there to interview for the linebacker job after Marvin Lewis left and sat in there with Bill and John Mitchell, who was on my staff, their whole defensive staff, Dick LeBeau, who mm -hmm. was a great football coach. Yes. And, you know, they asked me how I taught certain things. And, and my whole thing has been fundamentals. It's never changed. You know, I'm, I'm an old school coach. And that's how Bill is. And, and, he, and he wasn't going to deviate from it. And, and to me, the most impressive thing about Bill was he not only, you know, he would come in on, he would come in on Tuesday to the game plan meeting and, and we had everything on the board because we didn't have computers in. So I had put all the formations, color coded, all the runs, passes on this grease board. And he would sit there and stare at the board. And he goes, okay, Mike, talk to me about regular far eye. What are they doing? Because he wanted to be able to intelligently talk to the team the sure. next day. And we would sit there, and his first question would be, can we hold up and cover two? Because you're doubling the outside receivers, because everybody had great receivers. Yeah. Can we hold up and cover two? Because that's what you were going to base everything out of. And if you couldn't, and you had to bring a safety into the box, now you're one-on-one -on -one outside. You're in cover three, you're playing cover one. You, you, to bring in the extra guy into the box to stop the run. And that was, and now we were very talented up front now. I mean, when I went there, we had Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd, LeVon Kirkland, and Chad Brown. I mean, not bad. I, no, they weren't bad. <laughs> you know, my, just get them on the bus. Made you a better coach. Yeah, right? get them on the bus. So, but it, it came down to football is not a complex game. Plus one, minus one. You know, you're trying to disguise. And if a team, you're trying to get more in the box than they do. 
and they're looking to that's see where you one. are. That's the, that's the plus one. one minus one. So if you if they've got seven to block your six, I know I went to the U, okay, <laughs> but I know seven can probably block six, and you're at a disadvantage if you only have six in the box. So it's a cat and mouse game. That's never changed, Joe. It's never going to change. And the good teams are the ones that, okay, they have eight in the box, and yet you're still knocking them off the ball. Now you got a chance. So it, it's not going to change. And, and college football, all the RPOs, all the quarterback does, somebody's up in the box says, okay, run this because there's seven in the box. Run this because there's six in the box. Hadn't changed. Speaking of math. I need to make sure my spreadsheet is balanced here. I'll take one more break. We come back. I want to hit a couple of rapid fire topics with Mike Archer. Don't go anywhere. You know, it's year three for me for an NC State podcast. This is year three with me, with Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, Hayes Lancaster. You'll see him in that RV lot. Can't miss him in the corner. Hayes is the OG OG. He can help you with any bugs in your house, outside the house, you got mice in the attic. You got moisture underneath that house. The 360 moisture barrier is a game changer. It's this easy. Just go to bugsbite.com. You can see all those great coupons there. Hayes doesn't believe in contracts. He's not trying to trick you into anything. He's just trying to help you save money and also get rid of those pests in and around your house. So go check them out. It's bugsbite.com. NC State's on the road this week. Maybe you got to drive up to Charlottesville. Well, gas up. Stop at the breeze through right there in Edwards Mill and Trinity while you're in there. Go get that lifetime refills. Get the tumbler, man. 20 bucks. Best deal in town. When State's back next Friday for the tailgate, you know what they have there? Ice, snacks, drinks. They have an amazing beer selection. They have a beer cave. Joe and I have done one show from the beer cave. We're going to do another here in October. Can't wait to get back out there. Breeze through right there on the corner of Edwards Mill and Trinity. You can't miss them wherever your travels take you. Breeze through is there for you. If you are going to the game on Friday at Virginia, you want to rep the Wolves. You want to have the best swag possible. Do you know how to do that? Go to homefieldapparel.com. That's homefieldapparel.com. Check out the amazing selection that they have. Sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, sweatpants, you name it, they have it. They got some great designs, great t-shirts, soft as anything as you'll ever feel. The hoodies are my favorites. You can see the t-shirt behind me as well. Go check them out. It's homefieldapparel.com. For your first order, use the promo code OG23. That's OG23. Use that promo code. You get 15% off. Guess what? You're going to order some stuff from Homefield. I guarantee you're going to love it. And then you're going to get more coupons in the mail when you go to homefieldapparel.com. But again, use that promo code OG23. Get 15% off of your first order. You're going to love all of the NC State stuff they have. And yeah, you want that pack power on your side. You want to have the best swag possible when you go check out NC State this season at Carter-Finley Stadium. We're back. Look at that magic. I love how that works here in the world of podcasts. I'm Joe Giglio, joined this week by Mike Archer here on The Law of the Wolf. If you're listening on the YouTubes or watching on the YouTubes, just hit that subscribe button right there. It's not that hard to do. And of course, Apple, Spotify, Google's, you name it, we're there. Five stars only. Follow us, rate us, do all those good things. We appreciate all of your support here on the OG Live Podcasting Company. All right, Arch, you coached forever. 
at all levels forever. Are you surprised at all at what Deion Sanders has been able to do in his first season at Colorado, taking over a one and 11 team. Right. And I don't know where it goes from here, but the three and zero start has been impressed. Impressive. No, I, I'm not surprised. I, I watched what he did at the Jackson state. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took them to different levels, got them all the way to the championship last year. And, and then I believe uh, North Carolina central, central beat him. Yep. central beat him. Um, so no, I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I think that he's a very positive person. Uh, some people like him. Some people don't. I personally, I like the guy. I mean, I, I got to know him, uh, as Dion Sanders. Now, okay. you know, he's a Seminole. So right, being, a, hur- say, you being a hurricane now, you know, I, 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 you know, we, I coached against him. He was a phenomenal talent, but where I really got to know him when I was with the Steelers and we were in three rivers, he was playing football and baseball. baseball. He was okay. with the Braves. And one day and, and our locker, our clubhouse connected to our weight room. And on the other side was the visiting baseball clubhouse. And one day I was in and there on a trip and is in baseball too. And I love baseball. Yeah. And so I would go out and watch a game, sit in the stands, the three rivers. And so I was on the treadmill one day and he came in, he was in early for band practice and he came in and he says, hi, how you doing? So I got done with my workout and he was lifting. I went over and introduced myself to him. And it was very pleasant. And he was just like you and I. Sure. And and I told him, I said, well, you know, we have a problem here because <laughs> I went to Miami and you went to Florida State. And so he immediately got in. We got into a conversation. Yeah. And and the thing I took out of it, he was really down to earth and a tremendous athlete. But he said, Coach Mike, he goes, you know, when when I'm in here talking to you and I'm around my family and I'm in the, the clubhouse and the dugout, I'm just Deion Sanders. Baseball player, football player. Now, once I walk out that dugout or once I walk on that football field, no, I'm prime time. (laughs) He goes, that's my brand. That's what makes money. He goes, we're all about money. I want to make a lot of money. You want to make a lot of money. But he was a very down-to-earth person just like you and I in that context. Once he gets out into the TV world, you know, and and I worked with Jerry Glanville in the XFL, and Jerry loved him. He had him in Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. with the Falcons, and he loved he loved Dion. He said, "No, he's an awesome person." So I'm not surprised. I'm glad for him. Now I think this week going out to Oregon, um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna give us a better indication. Plus, Hunter is not playing. I was gonna say his best, you know, yeah, second his best, best player, player or best player, which yeah. however you want to consider his son. Uh, yeah. Well, he, I, I think that Hunter, if he can get back healthy. He's going to be the guy that, you know, I'm on the Paul Horning Award Selection Committee mm-hmm. for the most versatile player. He was nominated the first yeah. two weeks. It was a no-brainer. <laughs> yes. And I really think if he gets healthy, he'll probably win it, you know, because the guy's phenomenal. But I'm happy for Dion. I think it's great for college football. Yeah. It's and been the dominating are, story so far. It has, you know. And, and last week, I'm watching, and The Rock is there. You know, he did the he did the uh, pregame show, and he was on the sidelines. So I think it's good. I really do. Speaking of guys who who played two sports, one was at NC State while you were there. Russell Wilson. Curious your, your take on Russ and his relationship with Sean Payton. I, I kind of like Sean giving him the the right. real talk express. Right. You know, stop fucking kissing babies. Yeah. You're not running for office. Play football. Well, you know, um, how do you think he'll handle that? How do you think Russell handle that? I, I think Russell will handle it. I think Russell knows Sean Payton's in charge. Yeah, Sean Payton is the head coach, and uh, you know, I, I have to do what the head coach wants me to do. And I, you know, I, I think that the message was sent when Sean got the first job, when he got the job at first and someone asked him about the, his personal quarterback coach being in the building. And Sean says, no, the only one who coaches the quarterback is me. And so I think the message was sent. Um, but 
you know, I, I, you know, Russell's very coachable, and Russell wants to win. The bottom line, I think Russell wants to win. So, you know, I, I think Russell will take it in a positive context, and then you know, go with it. Thirty-four. You think he could still play in the NFL? Thirty-four. You know, those are different miles now. Than, it, it's it's a lot than different. Brady's thirty-four. Yes, it, or even it, Drew Brees is thirty-four. Correct. Um, and and I, I look at the surrounding cast that he has there with him. I you know I worry. You know, if they could run the ball, it would take so much, a lot of pressure off them. Any any good football team at any level, if you can run the ball, it, it, you you don't have to go back 50 times and throw it. Right. And that's what you don't want him to do because, number one, is height. Okay. You know, he, he is, you know, I don't want to call a liability, but they got to move him around in the play action in the boots are what make him effective. And their inability to run the football, I think, has made it more difficult for them to, to, have that continuity offensively and score points. You better score points. Coach, I know you're enjoying the retired life in Cary. You get down to Florida. You've seen you've seen your canes. <laughs> maybe this is the year for the canes. We'll see. Less was expected. So maybe you get a little bit more. That's that's how this podcast title came about. So for NC State. So I appreciate you taking some time for me. Anytime. Glad to do it. All right. We'll do it again then. No, just give me a call. Glad to do it. Got All a lot right. of free time. All right, coach. Appreciate you taking some time. We'll be back next week with another edition of Law of the Wolf. And again, in the meantime, just hit subscribe. Go back. Make sure you're following on all of your podcast platforms. Appreciate everyone out there from the bottom of our hearts here at the OG Media Company. The Wolfpack ain't for soft. It ain't for soft people.